You are listening to Scale Your Freelancing Podcast with your host, Satya Perna. Every week, we bring you inspiring messages and interviews to help you scale your freelance business to six figures while creating more freedom than ever before. Thanks for joining us today and let the show begin. Welcome to Scale Your Freelancing Podcast. This is your host, Satya Purna. And today I'm in conversation with Brooke McCarthy. And I'm so excited to connect with her today because I feel like she has a lot of very interesting perspectives to share with us on marketing and business growth. So I'm super excited to have you here. Thank you so much, Brooke, for joining me. Thank you for having me, Satya. Yeah, super excited to chat. So do you want to give the humans a really quick introduction about what you do? Sure. So I'm a business coach and a digital marketing trainer for business owners and freelancers and consultants uh, who would rather just get on and do the work than talk about it. Um, I have a background in public relations. So before I started digital communications, before I started on the internet, um, I worked uh, in public relations, helping businesses build their reputations and manage their reputations with the media. Uh, so I've always taken that tact with, with marketing my own business and, and now helping other people market their businesses. I love that. So let's talk more about that because we've not actually covered this on the podcast so far. So I'm excited to dig into it. So when you say, when you say like professional reputation, are you talking about like getting PR features and stuff like that? Or do you feel like people are also constantly building their reputation, even in an organic fashion? Yeah, look, I think that at the, at the, at the foundations of it, uh, the word on the street, what other people say about you is worth so much more than what you say about yourself. For sure. So, yeah, so for example, we, we look at ads all day long, we see advertising all day long, we see marketing all day long, and yeah. we learn to filter it out. We don't even notice most of it. We're, we're all walking through our days with massive blinkers on and yeah. very, very little makes it through those blinkers. And right. then if we are focusing on the thing, especially through the internet, if we are looking at somebody's marketing on the internet, it's yeah. a low trust environment. We're starting on the back foot. Right. It, you know, most people are looking for the first opportunity to go, nah, not for me, nah, right. doesn't, look, doesn't look legit, you know, doesn't look trustworthy. So we always have gone to our friends and family. We've always trusted the word of other people before yeah. marketing and advertising. And that really is what, you know, professional reputation building and public relations is all about. And as for, you know, media and publicity, it can look like a whole bunch of different things. Um, you know, it might be getting yourself in newspapers and magazines and on television. It could be being a guest in a podcast like I am today. Uh, you know, it could be, um, you know, being a trainer or a teacher on somebody else's program, which I right. do. Uh, you know, it could look like a whole bunch of different things. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Because I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, they get so, like you're right, we get really hung up on like, what am I supposed to say about myself? Like, you know, what am I supposed to say on the internet? What am I supposed yeah. to, how am I supposed to talk about my work? Like people just get so hung up in that process that they kind of forget mm. that there's that aspect where you can also leverage the way other people are talking about you. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, That's you know, I, absolutely. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, for a lot of my clients, it doesn't come naturally at all um, to talk about themselves. Most of us are not brought up in a culture where that is socially acceptable, especially right. as women, we're not taught, you know, that we should be talking about ourselves. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, in, in Australia, in New Zealand, in countries such as Canada, um, you know, you, you are, you do have your work cut out for you as a business owner, because mm. you have to be seen and you have to be heard in order for your marketing to work. And at the same time, you're constantly fighting against your socialization and your culture that says, if you talk about yourself too much, you're a braggart, you're yeah. full of yourself. You tall know. poppy syndrome. <laughs> tall poppy. Oh, my goodness. Tall poppy syndrome. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I had a couple of mindset coaches who used to work on my team who are from Australia. And we used to talk about tall poppy syndrome, like with my clients all the time, because there's just, yeah, like in many cultures around the world, and I'm sure in Australia, New Zealand and Canada as well, that tall poppy syndrome is very real. <laughs> 
<laughs> very real, very real. And, you know, so it really feels intensely uncomfortable for, for good reason for, you know, for women in business to be talking about themselves. And then it's the whole, you know, what most people think is they think they're being much more visible than they are. They think mm -hmm. that they are, you know, the emperor's new clothes. Do you remember that fable? It's like an old, mm -hmm. an old fable. So um, they think that they are the emperor walking down the street naked and that everybody's watching them and that, you know, oh, my God, it's so embarrassing doing this and being on the internet when actually they have the opposite problem. Nobody knows they exist. They've yeah. got a tiny community and yeah. they're so, they're overthinking everything. So they're not marketing themselves nearly as much as they need to. Oh, I love that. So let's talk more about that, right? What do you think is like, the top three mistakes that entrepreneurs make when they are in that phase where they think, oh, you know, everybody knows about me. I'm like out on the internet all day long, but they're not nearly doing enough marketing. What yeah. are like the top three mistakes that, like, that people typically make that you've noticed so far? Um, I think there's a few things. One thing is that they tend to copy other people too much. And I think there is a place for this when we're learning something new. So when we're learning something new, we go looking for other people, you know, what are they doing? How are they doing it? And we're trying to copy the teacher. And that's normal. This is a process of learning. Yeah. But the thing is, you, you know, you do that for a period, you copy people for a period, you analyze how other people do things for a period. And then you have to, then you have to graduate. Absolutely. And you have to figure out your own style yeah. and your own message and your own tone of voice and your own way of working um, and work to that. Um, so I think copying people for way too long is a big one. Mm -hmm. um, I think being agreeable is another thing. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of bad behaviour in internet marketing. So a lot of people that start fights on purpose on the internet a lot of people that go out of their way to be controversial, that say things knowing that they're going to get, you know, a response. And they do this to provoke a response. So it can, you know, make people uh, not want to be like that. And they want to be agreeable. They want to be likable. This is the way we've been socialized. Yeah. We're, no we're normal. We're not psychopaths. We're normal. We care about the opinion of other people. Yeah, which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with caring about the opinion of other people. That's a good thing. This is what makes yeah. us human. But it, 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 is a, it is a mistake when it tips over into blending in so that you become the elevator music of the internet. You know, you just, mm -hmm. you're so beige and you're so same, same that nobody notices you. And there's no point in marketing if you know people just scroll on past and go that's nice that's nice that's nice no interaction no engagement you know you haven't said anything um worth listening to so i, mean, I think yeah i think I that's that. an i think that's a huge one i think it's huge and i think you know the flip side of that is when you do find the courage to speak up when you do um when you do find the courage to go, you know what, I'm scared. And there's been many times, there's been multiple times, Satya, where I've written a blog post or, you know, I'm kind of like shaking a little. Mm. <laughs> I'm about to go live on Instagram and I'm like, oh, this is really important, but I really, you know, I really oh, don't, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to press live or I'm going to press publish, I'm going to press send. It's always those where I get a big response and it's always people that say to me, I thought I was the only person. I'm so glad that you feel similarly because I felt utterly alone and now I don't feel so alone. So thank you for saying what you said. Mm. And I, I think that's the thing is that when you've got 80% of people marching in one direction, you're always going to have at least 20% of people who, who don't feel the same and who are like, well, you know, maybe it's me. It must be me. There's something yeah. wrong with me because the majority are interested in this and that's not what I'm, this is not what I agree with. Yeah. So if, if you can be that voice and if you can be it, if you can be that person and, and be that voice and build a bridge and not just criticise, not just disagree, but actually say, here's a better alternative. Why don't we try this instead? then I think that that's really, really important. And I think that's what makes people feel like you know them and that they can mm -hmm. trust you.
I love that. I, I genuinely love that so much. And you're, you're so right about that. Like, I think anytime there is popular wisdom on the internet or somebody promoting anything, you're right. Like there's 20% of the audience that doesn't agree with that. Like, mm. for example, like, you know, when everybody's saying, oh, building courses is the only way to make scalable income. Not true. Like you don't need to be building courses to be able to scale your income. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, whatever, whatever it is that people say, right. Or like, you know, yeah. when people say, oh, you know, nobody can charge over this X amount of money in this particular yeah. industry. Again, not true. Like there's always yeah. going to be exceptions to yeah. what that norm is. Uh, and yeah. I love that. Like, I love that you can just speak to that and just, you know, get into that conversation. But I'm curious uh, yeah. to hear your opinion because what happened recently was I actually, I don't know if you saw this, but I did this video on like cultural appropriation. And I was, I really did not want to do it. Like it was that, it was totally that thing for me. I was like, fuck, I don't want to do it. Like the whole day I was, I knew I needed to talk about it because I was yeah. ranting about it with a friend who was also, you know, an online business owner. And she's like, oh my God, you need to talk about this. And I'm like, yeah, I know I need to talk about this, but do I want to talk about it? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like it was one of those things that I was like really resisting and I'm like man I just I just don't want to get into it it's just so much bullshit and then I was like you know what fuck it I'm gonna do it anyway the interesting thing though is that I did it and then still I was like really uncomfortable with the whole idea because obviously I was really angry about like you know how much cultural appropriation happens in the yoga industry in the wellness industry like they're basically just ripping off Indian culture and like without bothering to honor it, right? So I was like, mm. I did a little bit of a rant about it. And I've spoken about this in my podcast a few times. Mm-hmm. But a part of me after that whole experience was like, I don't want to do it because of how angry it left me feeling afterwards as well. Like mm. even after I mm. finished doing it, like it physically did not feel good in my body. And mm. then obviously there were like some trolls and some haters who were calling me all like some kind of names and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, like, I don't know. Like, there's a part of me, it's like, do I want to be in this conversation? So I'm curious if you have mm-hmm. any tips on how do you actually take care of your emotional self and your, you know, your energetic, your energetic boundaries when you mm-hmm. have these conversations? Mm-hmm. Because that is like a very real problem, especially for people who are like me, who are more sensitive to energies and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Look, I, that's a great question, and um, I had a similar situ- situation, except I was face to face, and I was arguing with my uncle, and he was saying he wasn't a racist, and I was saying he he was. Yeah. Conversation, argument finishes. He left, and I just, you know, I just want to kind of collapse in a sack. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like I'm absolutely drained. You just want to have I, a say after that thing. Yeah, and it, like that's that's the thing I think that a lot of people miss is that it does take a huge amount of emotional resilience to to be brave and to be courageous. And the the thing that I think doesn't get talked about nearly enough with running a business is the emotional heavy lifting of it. You know, we we often talk about the hustle and we often talk about you know the practical stuff of you need to set this up and you need to set that up and you need to do this. But what we don't talk about nearly enough is the emotional um, heavy lifting mm. and the, the necessity of building your emotional capacity and your emotional resilience mm. so that you can go in and do the hard thing. And it's not hard because you, you, you're spending lots of hours or it's technically difficult. It's emotionally difficult. Yes. And that is just as important. And, you know, you probably had this experience, no doubt, last year. But last year when COVID happened, I just felt like I was carrying my clients because all my clients are business owners and they were carrying their clients. Yeah. And they were having to be strong and they were having to be confident and they were having to make decisions and close down businesses and, you know, learn how to move entire face-to-face businesses onto the internet, you know, in a matter of days. Yeah. And so they were strong for their clients and then they'd come to me and they'd go, oh, you know, and, and then I'd be like, oh, and every night I felt like I'd go to, I'd go to sleep and I had all this, like all these people around and and at that time I really had to focus on creating that energetic boundary between myself and other people yeah Um, and I think you know I think this doesn't get talked about nearly enough because you know there's a there's a bit of stuff about you know introverts in business and highly sensitive people in business but the assumption is that you step back Mm. you know if you're an introvert if you're a highly sensitive person 
that you step back and then perhaps you create another layer. Maybe you have customer service people or maybe you have customer delivery people. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, you have some kind of something or another. But for a lot of us, that's just not really an option. I don't want to have customer service people dealing with my customers. I want to be the person dealing with my customers. Right. So what I, you know, what I propose is that we, we take self-care very, very seriously and that the more that we intend to grow and the more um, emotionally difficult our work becomes, the more important our self-care becomes. The more we upgrade, you know, the more money we make, the more stress we take on, the more systems we create, the more staff we take on, the more we have to take exceptionally good care of ourselves. Yeah, I love that so much. And I love that that's uh, the response that you have about this because that's so true. Like, I think even in my experience, the, the number one thing that I've noticed is that when I wanted to make more money, when I wanted to grow my income, when I wanted to become more consistent at a new level, what really helped me get there was not more work. It was yeah. actually more emotional self-care. It was actually more of like nurturing myself and holding my inner child and, and giving myself space and resting more. Like mm -hmm. I've had days where like I've had weeks where I would, I was just napping most of the time. And because I needed to really just protect myself emotionally because the work that I was doing was that like that at that next level. So mm. it's almost like, it's almost like acclimatizing when you're climbing a mountain, right? Mm. Like when you climb a mountain or like Mount Everest or whatever, it's not like you're just climbing all day long. Like that's not how it works. Like people go to a new level and then mm. they stay there and rest and acclimatize and get their body used mm. to this new altitude. And then you climb again and you get used to a new altitude and you climb again and get used to a new altitude. It's like, mm. they, that's how they do it. And like, if I actually, so funnily enough, I actually met these group of um, mountaineers who had climbed the Everest from Singapore like many years ago. And I, I remember having this conversation with them, which was super fascinating. Like one of like trivia, is that apparently it costs a million dollars per climber to climb Mount Everest oh. for five years. Wow. Yep. Like people train for five years straight to climb Mount Everest and every year they do smaller expeditions yeah. and then they go climb the Everest, right? Like you don't just decide to go climb Everest on Sunday. Like you're mm. training for five years, but every single of those mountaineers had to get sponsors who would support mm. them to fund that expedition and over five years it costs a million dollars per climber to do uh, it wow. i was like damn son <laughs> like i was, I was uh, quite shocked when i heard that but it's it's one of those things right like you literally like that's how they acclimatize like they get their body used to a new altitude yeah. but i feel like in business not enough people are talking about yeah. emotionally acclimatizing to that new level and to that new level again and again and again yeah, like there's so much of this conversation of like, yeah, I just I just launched a new funnel and I started running ads and boom, three days later, I made a million dollars. It's like, that's the part that people talk about. But like what happens behind the scenes is just like completely ignored. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, like this was a pivotal time for me about, um, so I started in 2008, I think about 2000 and. 12-ish, 2013, I joined uh, Marie Forleo's B-School mm. and all of a sudden, I, you know, the thing that I found most helpful or useful about that program was all of a sudden I had close access through the Facebook group to all these other people's businesses and mm. people are in the Facebook group, you know, sharing quite intimate details about their business and their progress and what kept happening over and over again is I'd see people and they'd be in the Facebook group and they'd be like, bang, 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 this is and then invariably they'd crash and then they'd disappear. And over the last 13 years, I can't tell you the number of times I've witnessed this where somebody comes out of nowhere and they're on the up and up and you're just going, wow, where did that person come from? And everything's going great guns. And then all of a sudden they disappear and three years later they might reemerge doing something completely different. And I've seen that pattern play out so many times and I'm certain that it's because of what you just said about the acclimatization. You know, people don't allow themselves that time and that space to pause and stop and think and consolidate their feelings, you know, to actually feel good about themselves. Because I think another thing related to this is that, um, you know, something that I've been grappling with for about 10 years now is can we find this paradox of 
ambition and ease. You know, if we mm. want to grow and we are highly driven and we are high performing and we do have big dreams, how can we balance that with feeling good about our progress, feeling more confident, not less confident, yeah. and being a pleasant person to be around? Because, you know, you meet a lot of people that are like, highly successful business owners and they're horrible yeah they're, you know like you wouldn't want to have a drink with them they're grasping they're unhappy you know you they're just they don't have a vibe you know they don't have a vibe yeah. you want to hang around with and I don't want I don't want to be that person yeah no you're so right about that you're you're absolutely spot on about that because I have had the pleasure of being around very wealthy people like in in my life because before I started my business I was a uh, fundraiser for a, a nonprofit organization, which meant that I was interacting with a lot of billionaires based in Singapore, millionaires and billionaires oh, based in Singapore. Wow, okay. So I could have one-on-one -on -one meetings with these millionaires and billionaires. And let me tell you, like money does not make people worthy to hang out with. Like it no. really does not. Like I've had this, I've faced this whole different, like a whole gamut of people. Like. I have met people who are so humble and so sweet who made like a $25,000 donation regard, despite the fact that maybe they make $300,000 a year. And yeah. I've also met people who have a personal net worth of $2 billion who have donated $0 because they're mm. so fucking stingy. Like they will mm. overthink and overthink and overthink and overthink and in the last moment they're like, nah, I don't want to make this donation anyway. So it's like I've had people and of course I've also met someone who has like a billion dollars in net worth who's like one of the most humble people I have ever yeah. met and he's yeah. one of those people who like really not creepy really not weird like or angry or anything he was genuinely like Satya thank you so much for doing this amazing work like yeah. I'm glad yeah. that you're doing all this heavy hard work yeah. uh, on the ground in India so that people like me have an easy way to support this good work in the world like I'm interacting with people like that who are genuinely the most humble yeah. grounded wonderful yeah. people and then I met his cousin his actual cousin who was like the biggest asshole ever so it's like it's very interesting how even people in the same family who have like billions of dollars of net, net worth like are just completely different people so you're absolutely you're 100 right about that but mm. yeah like this is this is it I feel like this is one of the biggest conversations that like people are not having especially around internet marketing and I mean, yeah. I'm sure this is not a conversation that's happening anywhere. Maybe it happens more in inter internet marketing than anywhere else. Yeah. Um, yeah, that emotional consolidation, like giving yeah. yourself space to feel is so yeah. huge, especially for women, right? And yeah. actually, I actually heard this statistic yesterday that really broke my heart. Uh, so Rachel Rogers had shared this on her Instagram where she said, women own 51% of all businesses, yet they make only 4.2% of all the revenue generated by them which wow. was like, holy shit ball. So like 50% mm. of businesses are generating 4.2% of the revenue. And mm. if it's 4.2%, let's be real. There's actually a range in that 50%, right? Because there must mm. be high earning women. There must be a small percentage of women that are actually high earning. So when you average it out, the average is even worse. Because there, if there's a small number of women who are earning a lot, and then there's the majority mm. of the women who are not earning a lot at all, mm. then that that ratio gets even more skewed. So I was mm. like, like, this is such a real problem. But also, oh, massive. What, yeah, what we just spoke about is that, mm. you know, men have this model of working, which obviously is completely different to women, where they have that the capacity to just go, 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 go you know, thank you, testosterone. <laughs> it's like, they're able to push that hard. And often women are told the same messages or given the same advice on what it takes to grow their business, but it doesn't work for women. Yeah. So then yeah. it comes back to like, we are using masculine business principles and asking women to implement that to grow their business. And then are we surprised that they're only making 4.2% of the revenue? Because there might be a really significant connection there. Well, absolutely. And, and also they've got um, children, most women, a lot of women, they've got, they, they are the caregiving role as, you know, looking after their elderly parents. Um, they're expected to be volunteering at the school. You know, I get, I get a lot of pushback and, I, you know, I'm in a fairly progressive, somewhat progressive, you know, Western democ democratic country. I get a lot of pushback from my immediate family 
because my partner does the cooking and he does the grocery buying and he looks up like he, he happily drops the kids off to school and picks them up and he does the laundry. Like I am constantly the butt of the joke in the family for being lazy and for being, you know, whatever. And it's, it's just bizarre. Like it's, it's bizarre. I'm like, how long is this going to go on for? I'm not, I'm not refusing to do the laundry. You know, he's the, he's the one who wants to do this stuff. He's on the front foot. And rather than people say, wow, Brooke, I wish I had what you had. I'm getting, you know, I'm getting criticized. It's just bizarre. That's ridiculous. You know? That is so ridiculous because if the roles were reversed, if he was running a business, yeah. you would even think twice about like the fact that you do the laundry or you drop the kids off or you do whatever you need to do. Nobody mm. would criticize that at all because they would be like, yeah, of course you do because you're the woman. But it's it's just so interesting. Like, and this is a problem all over the world. This is mm. I wouldn't say that this is uh, just an Australia thing or an India mm. thing or whatever. Of course, in like, you know, non-white or non-Western countries, obviously this is a very real thing. Mm. But it's very fascinating to hear that even in a place like Australia, that you are the butt of the joke for topics like this. It's, it's really strange. And, um, you know, and, and I think that this has a, the, the number one question I think that women in business, that self-employed women in business have for each other is how does she do it? How, like, tell me the details. Tell me the details. What time does she wake up? What time does she go to bed? Does she have help with the children? How does she, how does she juggle? How does she manage to keep the, you know, all of the things going on? And I don't think men get those questions. I don't think men are interested it because for, you know, for a woman, it is this thing of juggle, take this, take this, take this. And the more capable you are, you know, the more that you take on and the more that you're expected to take on. Yeah. And, you know, and it's not just the workload. It's not just the hours spent. It's the emotional heavy lifting of going, okay, we need to organize a babysitter and I need to buy a birthday present and I need to, we need to pay that bill. Like I need to do, it's all that emotional labor as well yeah you know in a household and this this absolutely has an a massive effect on your profit and loss statement yeah because you know if if you are the person who has to take the responsibility for the lion's share of the family work you know of course you're going to be compromised in your business yeah you know of course you are yeah but also i think this is i love that you're talking about this but do you follow uh, denise duffield thomas by the way mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so she had actually talked about this uh, a few, last year, I think, where she was like, you know, how do I do it all? She's like, I have a lot of help. <laughs> She's like, that's how I do it. And the way she talks about it, which I think is hilarious, is that she has a housekeeper and she says, I decided to get a wife, like, you know, basically a housekeeper to do all of these random things, like buying birthday presents and like taking yeah. kids to soccer and like all these random things. She's like, I decided that once I started making enough money that I needed a wife. And I just hired like, it's like I just hired this housekeeper to do all these different tasks in, in my life, which just yeah. makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my friends and I joke about this all the time. We're like, I need a wife. And I'm like, oh, well, I have a wife. I have my partner. He's a, he's a great wife. But, you oh. know, like it is it, it, a lot of most of us, we need a wife. There's a great book in Australia, written by an Australian author called The Wife Drought that talks oh. about this very topic, you know, talks about the fact in a, in a two, like for a lot of a lot of women. And again, doesn't get talked about enough. What, what do we talk about on the Internet? you know, freedom and flexibility and living your best life and doing what you love and, you know, turning your passion into profit. We talk about all the aspirational stuff. What we don't talk about is the fact that two people are in a relationship, they have children, all of a sudden two full-time workers is completely incompatible with mm -hmm. having, you know, a life and young children. Like we don't talk about the fact that women start businesses because they get to a certain age and they become unemployable or they're doing something creative where there's very few jobs or they're doing something highly innovative where there's very few jobs or, you know, their husband gets cancer or their mother gets cancer or like right. the wheels fall off. Yeah. You know, and in, in my experience, they get bullied at the workplace. In my experience, that is what I hear all the time. Yeah, I hear that. I hear those stories all the time. People aren't, women aren't starting businesses because of freedom and flexibility. They're starting right. businesses because they have to, because it's they, really, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, just, I believe that so much. But another thing that I've been noticing recently is like 
how much pressure women have because of societal conditioning it's it's ridiculous especially in a place like india so i was at a friend's wedding um over the weekend um and you know that's um, i still have some leftovers of my henna i i noticed yeah um so uh, my my friend one of my really good friends got married and it was such an interesting experience to just kind of be a fly on the wall and like observe the hoopla that was going on cuz it was you know it was all a hoopla or i mean to be honest it was probably a small indian wedding but in my perspective i was like wow this is a lot like this is a lot of drama <laughs> like that kind of felt like for me cuz i've lived outside of india for like you know very long time over a decade um it was like damn this is a lot of drama and um it was it was very interesting to just be a fly on the wall and observe this because it kind of gave me insights into the kind of messages that women get about marriage about children like their entire lives like so many women are told their entire life that like their entire life is reduced to that one moment or that one day when they're getting married and so they put mm. so much pressure on themselves to be you know the perfect um the perfect bride the the prettiest bride the you know everything to be perfect like all the uh, decor to be perfect and everything to be gorgeous and everything to be beautiful it's like it's absolutely ridiculous to expect a, a whole entire human being's life to be reduced to that one moment where you're like this is all that you're worthy like this is what you're worth or like this is what your life is about is mm-hmm. ridiculous and then obviously my my friend was really stressed out and she was having a few self confessed bridezilla moments and i was just like reminding her i was like honey this is one party it is one event this does not define who you are and you do not need to turn into a bridezilla for this to be perfect like i'm sorry <laughs> but like this is a party okay like uh, so stressed out i was like what is the point of having a wedding if you're this stressed out like if you are not having fun what is the point of this whole thing yeah yeah and yeah yeah she wasn't getting it until the last day she was like really stressed out really stressed out. i'm like sweetheart <laughs> this is a party <laughs> yeah yeah please let's not make this bigger than it is like it's just not that it's not that big of a deal yeah. but unfortunately women all over the world are are given these messages around how this is the most important moment of your life and la 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 la, yeah, la. Yeah, yeah. and then no wonder they fucking turn into a bride mm, <laughs> mm, mm. absolutely absolutely um there's another business coach as well uh on on Instagram or rather that's where you might find her called Kelly Deals Mm-hmm. um and and she talks a lot about the female lifestyle empowerment brand and when i heard her say this and explain what it was for the first time i was like ah oh, someone has language for yeah. this that i've been trying to like i've been grappling with for years and that's this you know this expectation that women have in business of you know you, it's not just enough to make you know a hell of a lot of money you also need to look the part you know you need to be thin oh, yeah. and you need to be white and you need oh to be God. blonde and you need to be young and you need to be yeah. this and you need to be that you know like it's just and it it becomes this thing where you are the product you know and and then if you if you bring in as well the fact that there has been this trend in marketing and business which is not a bad trend but this trend towards authenticity where you know Brené Brown perhaps encouraged a lot of that yeah. um but you know it's a bigger broader trend as well you know about businesses acting more transparently and being more ethical and being more real and speaking more humanly and you know managing their workers in a much more holistic loving compassionate way yeah. um you know for a lot of women they they then get onto the internet and they look around them and they go wow there's all these female lifestyle empowerment you know women business women i need to look like that and i need yeah. to act like that and i need to sell my feelings and i need to share every single thing that i'm thinking and going through yeah. and if i've had a if i've had a rock bottom moment if i've had a trauma then that needs to be packaged up and right. sold in a webinar you know <laughs> it needs to be yeah oh my book. god yes you and know? also it's like it's a little bit So yeah I have a lot to say about this <laughs> because this is like one of one of my uh, clients actually called this like the wonder woman barbie doll syndrome is like you have to be wonder woman and yeah. be barbie doll at the same time like you have to be you know big boobs and tiny waist and blonde hair and like all yeah. of those things mm. while also having a kids and gr- having mm. a family and like doing mm. everything at home it's like basically like setting these impossible standards for yourself mm. to show up around how you show up on the internet or mm. what you do 
as a part of your work is it's like a very real thing and like a lot and okay so i don't want to name names um there's this woman on the internet who i respect a lot i've bought her courses um she's amazing like she's taught me a lot and i really love her but and i don't want to judge another woman for doing whatever she's doing with her body so you know more power to her if that makes her feel good but if you are like she's a beautiful woman okay i always thought she was a very beautiful woman and uh, i think last year at some point last year she decided to get lip fillers and do like a fat transfer from her stomach to her boobs and blah 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 and yeah. again i completely understand it's her body and it's her life but if you are somebody on the internet who has a following of like whatever half a million people or a million people mm. or whatever mm. and a, somebody and who's your audience is all completely women if they are observing you doing that and you are already that you fit the barbie doll description and now you fit the barbie doll description even more i genuinely think that a part of that is a little bit hurtful to your audience or it's yeah. harmful for all the women out there who do not look like you and yeah. who do not have i mean either they don't have the means to look like you or they don't have the willingness to look like you they have no like i have no interest in getting lip fillers or a fat transfer like yeah sure if i want to work out and be fit i'm going to work out and be fit but am i going to change my body or go under the knife to look a certain way no so there is this a bit of a strangeness around it because i really do love this woman i think she's amazing and mm. she has contributed very positively to my life but there's also a part where i feel like but what happened to just loving ourselves the way we are like is it that the message like from day one because all of us are we are not celebrities and we don't need to pretend to be one you know it's like none of us need to be a celebrity to be rich we don't need to be a celebrity to be successful you don't need to look a certain way or you know play a certain part because that's not your primary job like if you're an entrepreneur your primary job is not to look good on a screen like that's mm, genuinely mm, not your primary job if you're a model or an actress sure perhaps sure. that's your primary job yeah ab- absolutely and i think you know that goes back to professional building your professional reputation for a lot of people when they hear professional reputation or personal branding is the modern way of talking about it um if they hear personal branding or professional reputation they immediately you know oftentimes think about at, you know how do you look yeah what, you know you need a you need a photo shoot and it needs to look a certain way and uh you need to be talking about yourself all the time and actually i would like there to be far less of that i think yeah. there's definitely a place for for sharing details i think absolutely if you're trying to build relationships with strangers on the internet then it's a hell of a lot easier to do that when you share personal details but there should be a limit to that mm. there should you know boundaries around that there should be yeah. some things in your life that are sacrosanct and sacred that are yeah. private and you know and you shouldn't more to the point you shouldn't feel that you have to yeah. share traumas and share your insecurities because authenticity in marketing is a good thing yeah um, and i think it would be great if we put our work in front yes we, you know we talked about ideas and we talked about implementing those ideas or questioning those ideas or you know we talked about our values and how those values translate you know we put our clients in the spotlight we put each other in the spotlight you know the amount of questions i have from people uh, that that are operating under the illusion that every single thing they put on social media needs to be original and it needs to be branded and it needs to be produced by <laughs> them like that's ridiculous of course you know yeah. like you're not being paid by facebook You know, yeah. you can't stay you can't upload to Instagram all day and and call it work it it doesn't work like that you know i think we're missing an opportunity um you know to to find our people and to 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 signal boost the good eggs in business and to say this person's awesome you need to talk to this person you know i had a client on the phone earlier this week and she's like she was really really down on marketing and she does marketing for a living and she's like i am so close to quitting she's like this is just it's you know there's so much despicable behavior and there's so many phonies and you know and i'm like you can't quit because if you quit there are less good people yeah. <laughs> you know like we have to we have to figure out ways of building our resilience yeah of having difficult conversations of saying unpopular things and provoking trolls and haters yeah 
and more importantly to to learn how to respectfully disagree with each other because if we can't respectfully disagree with each other this is how wars start right absolutely and also i think especially if you're a woman everything that you said yes and what i would add to that is let's place the value on showing up and serving people rather than placing the value on looking certain way to please other people like mm. and this is actually a very, there's this uh, lady on instagram her name is florence given and she is like you know a feminist author and she's like hilarious she's like a hilarious human being and she's like a feminist author so she has like beautiful messages uh, around being a woman in 2021 i guess and she talked about this thing she's like every time you are about to take an action ask yourself are you doing this because it's going to make you happy or mm. are you doing this to be more attractive in the eyes of a man or a woman or like impress mm. someone and mm. make them like you like are mm. you doing something because it's authentic to you or are you mm. doing it to get a reaction from someone else or get mm. appreciation from someone else and mm. that is one of the reasons why i decided that when i record these podcast episodes i mostly never wear makeup like unless mm. i had an event before where i was already wearing makeup or there's a good reason for me to wear makeup i don't do it like right now i have literally nothing on my face i just mm. changed my dress i brushed my hair and here mm. i am mm. and this is a decision that i made about 6 months ago and it really helped me so much because one of the reasons i was not showing up for my podcast was because mm. i felt like i had to look a certain way or to wear my eyeliner and wear a foundation and often i would have these recordings late in the evening which meant i had to do all of this record my podcast take it all off and then go to bed and i'm like you know what fuck it like i was like okay what would a average white male do <laughs> i was like what would an average white man do you just show the fuck up and do the podcast right yeah, i'm like yeah, i'm yeah. going to be an average white man on the internet i'm going to just show up and do my thing yeah you showing up for this podcast was far more important than how i look in the process of doing it uh look absolutely and you know like i i i'm happy with how i look i'm i'm pleased <laughs> um but you know i'm on video i do a lot of video i'm on i'm on instagram live i'm on facebook live i i record videos for yeah. lead magnets and for my website and you know i i record it on a tiny camera and then it blows up on a massive screen and i don't wear a lot of makeup either and i can see you know all the all the lines and i can see the yeah. gray hairs and you know i absolutely definitely want to redo it sometimes for sure i have times where i'm like my lipsticks on crooked <laughs> Right. Yeah. Only, and I haven't dyed my hair for a while. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, you know what? It it has to be 90% there and That's then it. I'm pressing I'm pressing publish because if the words that are coming out of my mouth are good, then surely that's more useful and more helpful. Yeah. than if you know it's picture perfect and and that's you know that's a big issue for a lot of of self-employed people and and small business owners is they overthink things. they do every they edit everything to the last degree and it's like this is not useful for you are not helping anyone no on version number 27 you know like get it out there and get it used and you know yeah. people email me up but clients are emailing me saying thanks so much for that typo it makes <laughs> it makes me feel better yeah. and it gives me this you know come on done is better than perfect launched yeah. is better than perfect For sure and I remember like a, a few uh, a few years ago when I I was launching a new program and I wrote a sales page very quickly so it had a lot of typos because I didn't have time to hire a proofreader and all of that I was like and I'm a copywriter right so people I guess you like have higher expectations of me or whatever so I was like you know I just wrote the sales page and I published it and like you know I was doing this launch and I was so busy having sales calls for this launch that I had like no time to actually proofread my website and i in that launch i made around 50000 dollars and like a launch after that i made another like 30 36000 dollars or whatever so there was like about like 80000 dollars plus that i had already made from this program and somebody actually posted my link in in like a friends group and said oh you know i am considering joining satya's program has anybody taken this program before this is the link to the sales page right yeah. so a few of my clients chipped in and said oh she's amazing she really bought all the magic to the program it was awesome and we loved working with her blah 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 and then there was a stroll guy who read through the sales page and he's like i just got eight typos like i can't believe somebody put up a sales page with eight typos and i just you know commented and said 
I would have really been offended by your comment if I had not just made $80,000 out of that. <laughs> so I was like, make the decision. <laughs> like, do you want to make $80,000 of a sales-based typo or do you want to have a perfect typo on the perfect type of free sales page that makes no money? Like, I, I was like, I would be offended. Like, I would bother being offended if, like, I, I didn't just make $80,000 off of this. But wow. I'm like, because I just did, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, perfect response. Perfect response. And, so, you know, and that's the thing, like, you know, especially when it comes to creating a program, creating a course, writing a book, like launching some kind of product, most people get stuck in their creation cave for, you know, months, years. Yeah. And it's crazy. And, like, I, I did the same thing. Before I launched my flagship program, um, which was, you know, 2015, I spent about seven months I don't know what I was doing in that time. I was just in the world of agony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kind of in this cave, like beating myself up. And it felt like swimming through, you know, murky mud. I just I couldn't see clearly. And when I pulled my finger out and said, enough with this, this is I'm boring myself shitless here. You know, this has to get done. This has to get launched. You know, it was, it was easy. It was straightforward. I think yeah. we make business a lot more emotionally difficult than it needs to be and I think you know back to our conversation earlier about self-care I think part of that is because we don't have the support systems we don't have the cheerleaders in our lives you yeah. know we don't have the per like you entrepreneurs self-employed people they need cheerleaders they need people that have got their back 100% and are like their hype squad you know, yeah. and you've got to actively find those people. You've got to go seeking them out. And at the yeah. same time, you've got to isolate yourself from communities and individuals who might look well-meaning, but they're, they're jealous, they're passive-aggressive, they're, you know, they've got small goals, you know, and they feel provoked by your ambition or provoked by your progress. Um, you know, it, it, it's really, really important to be ruthless with your boundaries and yeah. ruthless with the influences that you let in. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, I can definitely speak to that um, because I'm single. Um, in the last six months, there were a lot of things that happened in my family, uh, which have been a little bit crazy. Like my sister is going through a divorce. My father had a heart attack. Um, and there was just like so much emotionally charged, heavy shit going on in the last six months mm -hmm. that I had. And, and obviously I still run my business, right? So it's like I had to deal with a sick parent, a sister going through a crisis and my own business at the same time. And it really, really wore me down. Like I can, I would still say that I don't think I've fully recovered from the, the trauma side of all these um, events. Like I'm not yet fully recovered from it. And I see that coming up. Um, but even yesterday I had to have like a big cry about it because I felt like my inner child just needed some space to break mm -hmm. down and have a moment. Um, but yeah, like, this shit is hard, but I think it's like, it's kind of made me realize what my priorities are as well. Like the, I was like, okay, like coming to an awareness that like, I actually do want to be in a relationship. I do want to have a space yeah. where it's like, I have enough room for me to have a moment to fall apart or like have another person who's willing to take, you know, uh, take charge of a few things of my life or who can help me or support me in a few things. Like, yeah. I think it's just, when you go through moments like this, it just kind of makes you realize that like, you know, you need more help than you think you do. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You definitely need more help than you think you do. And, you know, and it's hard for people in business as well, because those that succeed, those that are in there for the long run, they yeah. tend to be really capable. They tend to be doers. Yes. They tend to be independent people. They tend to be people that don't like asking for help Yeah. and, and love looking after themselves and doing everything themselves. You know, so it's especially difficult. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. And you're so right about that because when you are, I have noticed this so much, like recently I've noticed this is like when you are a strong, capable woman, mm. people take that shit for granted. Like mm. I, I, I had to like tell my friends very gently, like when I'm breaking down, you mm. telling me, oh, but Satya, you have to be strong now is really mm. fucking not helpful. Mm. <laughs> like, mm. I had to tell a few friends, like, stop telling me to be strong. Okay, like, stop fucking telling me to be mm. strong. Like, mm. sweetheart, I have been so strong. You have no idea how strong I have been. Like, I just need to cry and bitch and moan and I need yeah. to and listen to me crying. Okay, <laughs> I was like, I had to tell this to like my, my very close friends because of course, like, 
I'm close enough to them that I could, you know, actually tell them that. But mm-hmm. I'm like, don't you dare tell me to be strong. Like, don't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because when you've been strong all day long, you just need to have space to be weak. You just need to have space to have that emotional meltdown where you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen if my dad dies? Like that really small, like inner child part of you is like freaking the fuck out. Like that there's an actual possibility that your dad might not be around. Mm. And that child needs some space. So like to Mm. tell someone to be strong in that moment is possibly one of the most harmful things you can do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's it's pretty ridiculous, but yeah, I think I think this is a lay- very layered conversation. There are obviously many many aspects to it, um, but yeah, I'm I'm glad that we talked about this today. So I know we've been going for a pretty long time, um, and I'm really grateful for your time. So I'm going to let you go back to your day. But thank you so much for joining us, Brooke. Do you have any like words of wisdom for anybody who is tuning in? Like one last thing you want to leave them with? Yeah, look, I think that confidence is a verb. We are yeah. not born with confidence Um, definitely some people are more extroverted and some people are more introverted but I think that if we treat confidence as a doing thing rather than a feeling thing Mm. then then we need to trust that the feeling will follow the action yep because when you're self-employed your confidence is literally the difference between you know twenty thousand hundred thousand one million you know it is supremely necessary for you to act confidently and if you if you are constantly avoiding things if you are constantly avoiding difficult conversations yeah not taking the opportunities not pitching yourself not doing these things then you are keeping yourself small Mm. and the flip side of that when you act confidently when you send the proposal when you press publish when you you know pick up the phone when you have the awkward difficult conversation you accrue experience and that experience feeds into your confidence in future. Yeah. So treat confidence as a verb, treat confidence as an action, knowing yeah. that feeling will follow the action. Oh, I love that. That's just such sage wisdom. Thank you so much for sharing that, Brooke. Uh, this has been wonderful. Um, I feel like we need to do another on-court podcast episode at some point. So I feel like you're going to be back on the podcast, but thank you so much for doing this. This was oh, so great. I, I love it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and we have links uh, of where you are on the internet. So we're going to be adding all of that to the show notes below. But I would highly encourage everyone to go follow Brooke on the internet. uh, Find her on Instagram. Go check out her website. She's obviously fantastic. uh, And I think she has a lot of uh, amazing things to teach you. Uh, But yeah, thank you once again. I look forward to staying connected. Thank you. All right, see ya. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode. If you want to learn how to hit your first $25,000 month in your freelance business, join us for our free training at satyapurna.com training. That's all for now. See you in the next episode.